0: John 15 this morning, John 15. Look at the kind of church LifeGate Bible Baptist Church is. <clears throat> Last week we looked at the fact that we're a Baptist church. This morning I want to look at the fact that we are a spirit-dependent church. Right? <clears throat> now, <clears throat> I want to say that carefully uh, because that's what we aspire to be, but that's not what we always are. And we want to look at this issue this morning because uh, we have learned that only the Holy Spirit's power can enable us to be what we need to be as a church. We have learned that it's only his power that can allow us uh, to be the kind of church that we need to be. And we need never to forget that. Uh, Many of you weren't here uh, in the year 2000, but coming up to the year 2000, I know my own heart was longing for something. I didn't quite know what. But I knew that what was happening in the church... uh, you know, it wasn't that God wasn't blessing. It wasn't that we weren't seeing exciting things happen. But I knew that what was happening in the church wasn't all. I knew there was more. And I had had other people tell me what we need to do is we need to change our music. Because if we change our music and we get the music right, uh, i.e. I- turn to contemporary music, everything will be fine at that point. And, you know, I went to the States and I saw some churches in the States that had changed their music to the contemporary music. And you know what? <clears throat> I noticed a distinct lack of the presence of God in those churches. And I came back from the States that time. We'd spent a month in the States, and I I remember thinking clearly to myself, you know what, it's not the music that needs to change, but we definitely need something. We need something to happen in the church. We need the church to change, uh, and we need something. But I couldn't for the life of me work out what it was that we needed now we, we We were running on a Sunday morning, about sixty or seventy people at that time, and um, it was good, it was going well, but there was something lacking and John and was coming to uh, preach camp for us, and so we talked on the phone, and John just said he would, he would <laughs> what he was planning to do was to preach on the Holy Spirit and I remember thinking well that can 't hurt right? but I never connected in my mind that 's what we needed. Well, John came in uh, July of 2000, and we went to Camp in Evoca. Many of you were there for that camp, and John preached for a fairly normal day, the first day, and on the second day, we did something different after the evening service. What we did was we, uh, we just all gathered, and um, we, we said we would pray and sing as the Lord led, and John explained he had, uh, what we were to do. Was, it was strange for us as a church that night, and many of you remember, something happened. The prayer meeting went for two hours, and nobody noticed the time going. And we did sing some, but it was interesting. It was mostly prayer that was happening. And in that two-hour period, God did a work in hearts and lives that we've never gotten over. And he went on through that week. He would speak during the day, and, but the real exciting things happened in the prayer meeting in the evening. God was working in hearts. You know, we didn't actually announce the prayer meeting. We said, it's going to be one here at (laughs) at 7 o'clock. Be here if you want to be here. There was no dragging people to it. They were just coming to it. And God was moving in the church in a powerful way. And exciting things continued to happen after we came back from there. But you know what we learned? We learned that the only power for a church is Holy Spirit power. And apart from that power, we can't do it. But it's easy over a period of time for us to forget that the church grows and changes, and you know this is a different church, a different congregation of people than uh, than we had at that camp. And everything changes in a church over the years, and it's easy for us all to get caught up and get back in doing the business and not knowing the reality of what it is to have the Holy Spirit's power in our lives. And that's the only thing that makes it work as a church, the Holy Spirit's power in our lives. And we need to look at it this morning and we need to understand that's what we need. At the end of it, I'm going to give you a challenge. Some of you have been challenged before on this and made commitments on it, and I think we've gotten away from the commitments. I'm going to give you a challenge at the end uh, of the message this morning. We need God to move in our church again. We desperately need it. We're hungry for it. We're aching for it if we actually know it, but we need God to move in our church again. And that's the only thing that's going to help us. We're going to begin with John chapter 15 and verse 5 today. Jesus speaking, he says, <clears throat> I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. When we abide in him and he in us, that's spirit filling, we bring forth much fruit. But notice what he says, without me you can do nothing. He doesn't say, without me it won't go very well. He doesn't say, without me you're going to be able to do very little. He says, without me you can do nothing. Right? Apart from him, we can do nothing. Now, listen, the Christian church here and everywhere else is capable of organizing. But do you realize that organizing won't do it? It's without me. You can do nothing. We are as organized an age as you could possibly have. We have more technology and more ability as far as getting the gospel out than any other generation before us has had. And yet, do you know... It singularly is not working because we don't need machinery. We need him. And without me, you can do nothing. That's powerful prayer. Father, would you bless us this morning as we look to your word. Lord, would you uh, have said that which you once said, and Lord, would you touch our hearts and have us take in that which you want us to take in. Blessed Spirit of the living God, Lord, you're the power for life, people of a Baptist Church. And without your power, Lord... It's not going to achieve anything it never could and it never can. And anything really spiritually that we see in our church is born of you and empowered by you. Now, Lord, we look to you today. We ask you, Lord, would you lead and guide in this time? Would you open our hearts to receive from you what you have in Jesus' name? Amen. All right. Just three simple points this morning. Um, First of all, uh, you need to be filled with the Spirit. We need... Spirit-filling, that's just reality. Secondly, we need to recognize and wait for his empowering. We can't do it apart from his empowering. And thirdly, we are revival-dependent. The church always has been revival-dependent. Uh, we are dependent upon those times when God sweeps through and does the work. All right, first of all, <clears throat> we need to be filled. Ephesians 5, verse 18. Ephesians five eighteen. Won't make you look at too many passages, but a few passages this morning, right? Many of you can quote this verse, Ephesians five eighteen. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And the, the Greek behind it would lend uh, this thought to it, uh, don't, don't be drunk with wine, but be being filled, be constantly being, being filled with the Spirit. And it's something that we constantly need, we need the filling of the Spirit. Now, you know, some people will say, well, listen, we were all baptized in the Spirit when we were born again, that's true. That's Bible truth. There's no questioning that we were baptized in the Spirit. But the filling of the Spirit is something that we need regularly. We need to be filled with the Spirit of God. We need the Spirit of God to fill us uh, again and again. We need to come back to the fountain and be filled again and again. That's what we need. That's what's essential to our lives. We need to constantly be being filled with the Spirit. Now, I want you to understand this, that it's a command to us. Now, when it, when it becomes a command, it's above the level of, well, you do it if you choose to, and you don't do it if you don't want to. Uh, when, it, when it comes to the command level, it's, well, it's not for commanded for certain people in the church. It's commanded to the church. Be being filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. You're supposed to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I wonder this morning if I were to go around the room and ask you, are you filled with the Holy Spirit? What would your answer be? I'm talking a little bit about a lady called Maria Munson. She was in, involved in a revival in China uh, in the 1920s, and, and the revival went into the 30s. Um, but Maria Munson had a, had a ministry from God. And Maria Munson was was this: she went around asking people just two questions. Right? She would ask them, "Are you born again?" And if they said yes, they were born again. She would ask them, "Are you filled with the Spirit?" And that was her ministry. Now there were there were church people. She would ask them, "Are you born again?" And then are you filled with the Spirit? Now, the Bible commands it there in in Ephesians 5.18. I doubt that there's a person in this room this morning, there may be one or two, that haven't heard this command before. So, are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Is that reality in your life? Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Most times what people do is they say, well, I'm I'm not sure. Let me get back to you on that. But we're supposed to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, Let me throw out some thoughts to you. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, who is the power of God, the enabling to do the work of God, don't you think you would know? Don't you think you should know? It's not like he's kind of tucked into your back pocket somewhere that you have to go rooting for him. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you ought to know. It's a command. Now, it's a command with huge blessing, But we've got to understand that that's the reality of the Christian life being filled with the Holy Spirit of God. You see, if all of us are filled with the Holy Spirit, you know what we have? We have revival. And we have revival that's powerful enough to affect out there. And so revival, when we look at revival, it's kind of a corporate thing. The whole church gets affected by revival. But really what happens in revival is a very personal, individual things happen, and the pe- people get filled with the Holy Spirit, and then the corporate comes together, and that filling is manifest uh, in a dynamic way. But that's really what happens in revival. Now, <clears throat> are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Now, you don't have to answer that question to me, but you do have to answer that question. And if you, if you say to yourself, well, I'm not sure. And you have to say, well, why am I not sure? Because the Bible commands it, right? To be filled with the Holy Spirit. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is basically and simply being controlled by the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit is in control in your life, right now, not in control. You know, you know, <clears throat> you know, five stages removed from your life. He's in direct control of your life. That the Holy Spirit in your life is going yay and nay. That he's telling you what he wants in your life. That he's actually intersecting your life and telling you, this is what I want you to do, this is what I I don't want you to do. That the Holy Spirit is there in your life, that he's in control. Look, if somebody was in control of you, you'd know it, wouldn't you? If the Holy Spirit's in control, you know it. Now, some of you might say, well, you know what, there are times when the Holy Spirit's in control And there are times, you know, you might get right with God, you might have your devotions, you might hear a message in church, you know, you get right with God and um, you're filled with the Holy Spirit. But then there are times when you're making decisions on your own, doing your own thing. Now, here's one of the problems. One of the problems with Christianity is that we talk so much about some things that we all get to the place where we think it's real for me. Not sure what it means. It was interesting. Maria Munson talked about these churches in China. Uh, What happened was they didn't talk about being born again. They didn't preach about being born again. I don't know why they didn't, but they didn't preach about being born again. Uh, People believed in Jesus. So it was kind of fuzzy for people. They they didn't have a clear gospel presentation involved in the whole deal. Uh, And um, so it was kind of fuzzy for people. So there were people in the churches who had come into the churches and never been born again. They'd never come to that moment in their lives when they trusted christ as their savior so when she was going around and asking them lots of people were going what does that mean and they would have to work on it they would have to kind of talk about it and sort it out and and see see, see what was. but you know it was pretty important that they come to the place where they knew what it meant that they were born again now some of them were born again they just didn't put it in that term And they had to look at their lives and find find out and talk us through and they knew they were born again. By the way, if you're not born again this morning, listen, the rest of what I'm going to say won't help you. The most important thing in life, anybody's life, is that they get born again. And to be born again is very simple. It's to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ in the sense that you're a sinner, but he died to pay the price for sins, and so that he paid the price for your sin. You can't pay the price for your own sin. He had to come and pay it for you. And the Bible says that when we call out to Him, when we believe in Him, when we trust Him for what He did, we're born again. And it's dramatically life changing. It turns your life in a different direction altogether. Um, uh, when you're in Christ Jesus, you're a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. But there's a point in time when you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior and you're born again. And He does the work of changing you. And if that's not happened to you, listen, it can happen to you today. Realize you're a sinner, realize Jesus paid the price for your sin. Call out to him to save you, and he will be faithful to do it. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, is what the Bible says. He will save you, right? But if you're not born again, you need to get, get that sorted out. But if you're not filled with the Spirit, don't you similarly need to get it sorted out? What does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? I need to be filled with the spirit. You see, what happens is if we don't understand and we don't appropriate the truth of filling with the spirit, we live a substandard Christianity. In other words, we're trying to do it, but we're trying to do it in our own power. We're trying to do it, but we're trying to make it happen by ourselves. And that's kind of frustrating to us because that's not the way it was intended. You see, God intended you after you were born again to live supernaturally beyond what you're able to do. He didn't didn't want you to get saved and then do the best you can. Be a good religionist and do the very best that you can. he He wanted you to be saved, to be filled with his spirit, and to be lifted, enabling you to do the Christian life with ease, with joy. You see, Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I am come that your joy might be full. He didn't come to impose religion on us. That doesn't work for us very well. He came to give us his spirit to enable us. And he says, listen, be filled with the spirit. Now, a couple of simple points for you. Uh, You can't fill something that's already full. Very very straightforward, isn't it? If I have a glass of water here and it's full and I go to fill the glass of water, well, I have to empty some of the water out of it to fill something into it. You can't fill something that's already full. Now, you can't be filled with the Spirit until you recognize there's a need and until you're emptied of self. Look with me at John chapter 12. John chapter 12, verse 24. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. He that loveth his life shall lose it, and he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. If any man serve him, let him follow me in there. And where I am, there also shall my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. Right? So he's given us the picture of the corn of wheat that goes into the ground. And in order for it to bring forth fruit, it has to die. Okay? And then he gives you another picture. He says, uh, he that loveth his life shall lose it. Well, listen, we all love life, don't we? On the good days. We may not love life on the bad days, but we love life on the good days. So what does it mean when it says, he that loveth his life shall lose it? It's obviously making a negative out of loving your life. Well, here's the key. It's not loving life. It's loving your life. It's loving the life of self. It's wanting it my way. It's wanting to run life according to my plans and my goals and my ambitions. It's wanting to do my own thing. Now, listen, when I say that, that rings a bell for all of us, doesn't it? Because all of us want it our way. Know what Burger King says? Have it your way, right? And they will make your burger exactly the way you want your burger. And what are they doing? They are appealing to the spirit of our age because that's what we want. We want it our way. And their advertisers are working out that, you know, we will buy more Burger King burgers if they tell us we can have it our way. And anything we can have our way, you know, we tend to get drawn to. That's a problem. You see, because here's what you're looking at when you're talking about being filled with the Spirit. All right? <clears throat> we're looking at being controlled by the Holy Spirit. Now, you can't have it your way and His way. You can't do your own thing and God's thing at the same time. You see, we want to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that we can do our own thing. doesn't work that way. If we're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit, we have to be emptied of self emptied of my way so that I can have it his way. I, you know the song Frank Sinatra song? I Did It My Way. You know, listen, you know that's that's again yeah, the spirit of our age. Famous song. It's a, it's a satanic song by the way in its heart. But I did it my way. You can't have it your way and God's way. You have to sacrifice your way in order to have it God's way. And the reason We're not filled with the Spirit is because we have a hard time giving up our way. We want it our way. We want to do it our way. We love our life. We love our way. Now listen, we're a disaster at it. It does nothing but make us miserable. Doing our own thing, having our own way makes us hopelessly miserable, but you know what? That's what we want anyway. Because in the short term, it offers gratification. It makes me feel good right now. I want it my way. And listen, when we speak to our age, we're so full of this that it's just killing us. We want it our way. And folks, we can't be filled with the Holy Spirit and have it our way. It just doesn't happen. He that loveth his life shall lose it, but he that hateth his life. Let Let me tell you, in order to get filled with the Spirit, you have to get sick and tired of you. <clears throat> you have to get sick and tired of you putting your muddy paws all over your life and messing it up. And listen, that's that's what we do. We mess it up. You know, the problems in my life are not that God just you know, kind of sent darts into the world to get me. You know what I mean? The problems in your life are caused by the fact that, listen, you've got your hands firmly on the steering wheel and you're going to control your life and you're going to control everybody around you and you're going to make it happen for you. And God says, well, on you go. Because he can't be in control and you be in control at the same time. You have to yield control of your life to him so that he can be in control if it's going to go anywhere. Now, now, please don't misunderstand. Don't take the idea. Of, oh no, I got to fix this and this and this and this and many. No, you don't. You're incapable of it, and he knows that you're incapable of it. That's why he sent the Holy Spirit. All you've got to do is yield control. All you've got to do is pass over. Control of your life and let him do it and agree to follow him. Listen, it'll take you a while to get the, um, get the hang of it. You know, you'll find from time to time you're stepping back and taking over the wheel again. But, you know, as long as you're willing to face your sin and confess your sin and let him have control, the Spirit of God will take control. He's easy to work with. He's easy to work with. He's, he, you know, if you let him have control, he will control your life. And listen, he will control it a whole lot better than you but you have a hard time yielding control of your life to Him. You need to yield it to Him and let Him have it. Paris had tells a story about um, <clears throat> uh, a, a young man that came to Him. He preached a message on being filled with the Spirit. And the young man came to Him. He's a young preacher. And he came to Him and he said to Him, I, I, I want it. I, I need power in my ministry. And the young man went on to explain to Him about the fantastic ministry they He had going and all the things that He had going for Him. But... <clears throat> But, you know, what he needed was he needed the Holy Spirit as well. And we had said to him, I'm sorry, I can't help you. And the reason he said I can't help you is because what you want is you want the Spirit of God to enable your ministry. God doesn't do that. the Spirit of God is God's enabler for his ministry. He wants to do his ministry through you. He doesn't want you doing your ministry at all. Because your ministry is still you. Your ministry is still your life doing your own thing. And you have to pass over control and let him be the originator. Let him be the empowering. Let him be the source. You see, we talk much about I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Not I but Christ. We sing the song, not I but Christ. Now what does it mean? It means, listen, the source, the plan, the power, all of it's coming from him, not me. I'm in the background. Reed had used this illustration to, uh, to tell this guy. The guy said, well, wh- wh- what is it like? Do I, do, do, do I need to get into the passenger seat and give him the steering wheel of the car? And Reed had said, no, that won't do. He said, because what will happen is if you're in the passenger seat, you'll keep reaching over and you keep taking over the steering. He said, you're going to have to go and get in the boot of the car and close the boot and let him have control. And you know what? That's what we need. We need to let him have full control of our lives. Now look, when he is in full control of our lives, do you think he's going to achieve something? Do you think God's gone short on power? Do you think he's frustrated by the 21st century and he doesn't know what to do with it? Do you think he can't reach those people out there with the gospel? Of course he can. What's getting in his way is you and I. What's getting in his way is our failure to let him have his way in our lives. Now, can you imagine <clears throat> you have a, you know, a, <clears throat> a training car, a learner car, right? And you've got a steering wheel on one side, and you got a steering wheel on the other side, right? And the instructor is there. He wants to save his life in case you do anything daft, uh, so he's got his own steering wheel on his side. Well, imagine that you're driving in a car like that, but you can't agree which way to go that you keep taking over from the instructor and that you won't let him have control, that you won't let him do the driving. That's what happens with the Holy Spirit. He says, I want to be in control. I know where you're supposed to go. I know how to get you there. And I know what you need along the way. Give me control of it and I'll take you there. And we say, that's a good idea. And we say, okay, I surrender. I'm yielding. I'm letting you have your way. But going down the road, we're not sure he's going in the right direction. Or or, or we see something coming up that we think he needs to take action and he doesn't take action. So we take over the controls again. And we mess up the plan completely. You see, for you to be controlled, you need to come to the place where you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, listen, I believe God will fail you the moment you actually surrender to him and yield yourself to him and let him fail you. But what happens in your life is he takes that as a commitment to let him be in control. And as soon as you take over control, you're back in the driving seat again and it's going wrong again, isn't it? The lights go out and it gets dark very quickly sometimes in your life, doesn't it? Yes, and you're going along fine. Everything's fine. You're walking with God. There's this sweet blessing in your life. Everything's moving and fine, right and fine. You come to an obstacle, you take over control, and all of a sudden the lights go out. It gets dark, and you're on your own again. Uh, Culpepper, one of the key figures in the Shantung revival, said that it took four years for God to really deal with him. And he had to keep bringing sin before God. And every time he brought, there was something else. And it took four years before the revival could, could break through. But he wasn't blaming God on not bringing the revival. He was saying, it was me and the other missionaries God was dealing with us during the four years. Um, But finally, God had dealt with them, and God came through in a powerful way. You see, we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Do you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Who who, is that's living this Christian life? Is it you, or is it God? My old granny had a, uh, a motorcycle. My dad bought it for her. He loved his mother and he wanted to take care of her. He bought her a motorcycle. It was a Villa Solix motorbike. Right? I think it must have been a French motorbike. It was the neatest little deal you've ever seen. It had this little motor on it like a lawnmower engine. Right? And you just disengage this little motor and you put it down on the wheel and the engine then would run the bike. But to all intents and purposes, apart from this little lawnmower engine that went on it, it was just a bicycle. It was a rotten bicycle, though. Because it was the gears were all wrong on it, and it was hard to push, and it was just it would just wear you out. I mean, <clears throat> I'd sooner walk than cycle this thing anywhere. It was just murder. But when you put the little engine down on it, and the engine kicked in, I'm telling you, this, 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 this thing could go places. It would put along at a nice, easy pace, but it was doing the work, and you didn't have to do the work. It was nice. Listen, the Christian life is intended to be lived with the engine engaged, the Holy Spirit engaged. When the Holy Spirit's not engaged, you're doing the work yourself, and you know the Christian life doesn't even work as well as the unsaved like life, life work, works apart from the Holy Spirit. It's harder. Listen, I would much sooner have had any other bike than this bike when when, when the engine wasn't engaged. <clears throat> you know, and listen, when it comes to the Christian life lived apart from the power of the Holy Spirit, it's a harder life than anybody out there. And somebody living that place and you're saying this is too hard. The reason it's too hard is because you're doing it. The reason it's too hard is because you're trying to make this happen yourself and you're going to wear yourself out completely. It wasn't intended to be that way. It's intended to be lived in the power of the Holy Spirit. All right, secondly, we need to move quickly here Uh, secondly, the Christian life and the the power for ministry in the Christian life is the Holy Spirit. Uh, Let me just, I'm not going to get you to look up these verses, but let me just just throw out the thoughts to you here uh, and we'll catch up on them. In Acts chapter 2, the Spirit of God fell. But in Acts chapter 1, Jesus told the guys that they would be endued with power from on high. In in Luke 24, he told them to tarry in Jerusalem until they were endued with power from on high. Now, Jesus was leaving. Wouldn't you think he would have said, listen, go right now. Go, listen, start moving right now. The time is short. I'm coming back. Listen, reach as many people as you possibly can. He didn't. His final command is wait. Now, what were they supposed to wait for? They were supposed to wait for the Holy Spirit to endue them with power, to clothe them with power for this work. You know, when it comes to reaching people with the gospel, it's only a work that can be accomplished in the power of the Holy Spirit. You can't do it apart from that. You can knock on doors. You can talk to people. You can do it, but you're going to weary yourself. You're going to wear yourself out because it's not going to work very well until you come to the place where you're endued with power from on high. Now listen, tarrying and prayer are kind of go hand in hand. Listen, you'll never be a successful soul winner apart from prayer. It's not going to happen. You'll never reach people apart from prayer. You need to wait on God in prayer if you're going to be a successful soul winner. And what happens is, you know, when you try and win people apart from prayer and apart from uh, the power of God, and you try and go out and do it in your own power and in your own energy, you're going to wear yourself out. You're always going to wear yourself out. As in, you know, <clears throat> you're going to be an offering at Christmas and I we, we bought a lawnmower, bought a, bought a ride-on lawnmower. And, folks, it has changed my life, right? I used to spend all Saturday afternoon cutting the grass. Not only does it not take all Saturday afternoon now, but Hannah loves riding the mower, so she does all the grass cutting. I don't have to do it at all, right? It has changed my life. Great present. Thank you so much for it. it leaves me free to do a whole, whole bunch of other stuff around the place. And it's fantastic. It can clip around the place, you know. Uh, in, in a little over half an hour, it used to take me hours to do. It, it's absolutely fantastic. But you know what? It takes petrol. In fact, it takes considerable petrol. I used to be able to buy three, three liters of petrol and it would, it would go a long way uh, in my little mower. But now I buy 25 liters of petrol and it lasts last me three or four weeks uh, in the mower. Right. <clears throat> but you know, and without the petrol, it doesn't work. Now just imagine, just imagine next Saturday there's no petrol for the mower and somehow we can get the blade turning on the mower and we decide, well look, listen, there's no petrol for the mower. Let's do this. Let's push the mower around the garden. Let's let's all get stuck in and so we get we get Hannah uh, sitting on the moor and we get Bethany and Val and I and we start pushing the moor around the garden. Well, you know what? It's not going to do a very good job cutting the grass. In fact, it's going to be exhausting because it's a heavy beast. It's a heavy... And we're going to push it and there's all kinds of hills in our place. I mean, the hills go both ways. Wherever you're going, there's a hill in our place. You know, we're pushing this moor. We're going to be dead tired after a while. You know what's going to happen? After a few weeks, you're going to come to our house and you're going to say, How come the grass isn't cut? Because you know what? We're going to give up trying to cut the grass if that's what we have to do with cutting the grass. If we have to push the mower around to get the grass cut, we're going to give up cutting the grass and the grass can go along. It's too much effort. It's too much work. Do you know that that's exactly what happens with soul winning? That when you're trying to do it in your own power, you get fed up. You get weary because it's impossible. You can't do it. And you know what you end up saying? You end up saying by negligence, then let the world go to hell. It's too much for me. I can't do it. And the world goes to hell because we're not doing what we're called to do. We're called to be witnesses. We're called to go out there and reach people with the gospel. But it's very easy for us to come to the place of complacency where we're saying, let the world go to hell. Folks, there is an answer. You know what? All I would need to do with the mower is go get the petrol and put the petrol in the mower. And the mower does a great job when there's petrol in it. When it comes to reaching souls with the gospel, God does a great job when He's involved. He knows where they are. He's out there working all the time. He's able to bring them in. You can't do it, but He can. But you know what? It's not a matter of you just going out and making something happen, you're not able. It's the work of the Spirit of God. And when you let Him have His way, and when you come to the place where you're willing to pay the price to be filled with the Spirit, all of a sudden soul winning becomes a different thing. Now, lest you say to me this morning as we close, <clears throat> Pastor, you know what? <clears throat> I think that's. Too much to ask of anybody. I've got to live in this world. I've got to make a living. You know, I've got kids to feed. I've got a family to look after. I've got all those things to do. And you're asking me to be so committed to Christ and to Christianity that I'm yielded to him and let the Spirit have control of my life. It would just ruin my life. Listen, think about that for a second. Isn't that a crazy thought? How could it hurt you to be filled with the Holy Spirit? How could it hurt you in your business to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, I'd have to be honest. Do you realize that honesty is the best policy in everything you do? That's interesting. Uh, You look at the great businessmen. I mean the really great businessmen. And what you're going to find is you're going to find guys that typically put forth Christian principles, whether they're Christian or not. They do it the right way. Because the right way works. Do you think there's any area of your life where being filled with the Holy Spirit would be hurt by? You say, well, listen, he might send me off somewhere to be a missionary. Well, well, he might. But would you be happier doing his will somewhere else or making it happen for yourself here? I mean, in the long term. Listen, isn't life all about his mercy? Isn't life all about his touch, about his smile, about his mercy on your life? So much In your life, you have no ability to control at all. You need to, you know what, listen, we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to be the witnesses he would have us to be, to be effective at living. And you can go up to Eason's and get all the self-help books down. You can go and find all the self-help videos and all the rest of it. And you can find all these plans for how to improve yourself and how to make yourself better and all the rest of it. This is the way to make yourself better. This is the way. Let the Spirit of God have control in your life. And everywhere the Spirit of God gets control, He improves things. He makes things better. Why are you holding on to your life? Why won't you yield? Why won't you let Him have it? You know He's better at this game of living than you are. Why don't you let Him have His way? Why don't you come to the place where you yield to Him? You you could yield to Him this morning. I guarantee you, though, if you do, there's going to be, a, going to be a, <clears throat> a question mark tomorrow. Some area of your life where he's going to say, what about this area? And he'll expect you to yield. That's part of the deal. He'll expect you to yield that part too. He'll expect you to yield and to yield and to continue to yield. And when you fail to yield, to confess it as sin and deal with it, but you've got to yield to the Holy Spirit. But as you learn to yield to the Holy Spirit and as he fills you and as he begins to work in your life, listen, your life is going to be lifted up. It's going to be much better. You can't do it by yourself. Won't you invite somebody in and let them have control so they can? That's for prayer. Father, we thank you for your word to us. We thank you, Lord, for the blessing of this day. Now, blessed Spirit of the living God, would you move in hearts and lives today? Oh, Lord, would you have your way Lord, may there be nothing held back, but Lord, may we be honest with you today. Every head is bowed and every eye is closed. Let me let me ask you a <clears throat> question this morning. The Spirit of God has revealed to me something that is blocking him from controlling my life. There's something in my life that's blocking him. something in my life that's stopping him from having his way. And today I want to confess it as sin. I want to deal with it. I want to put it behind me. I don't want that in my life. I want him. I don't want that. Would you lift your hand so I can pray for you? Amen. Amen. See those hands. Amen. 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 Now listen, if he's revealed it to you, deal with it. It's really important that you deal with it. Anybody else this morning? The Spirit of God has revealed something in my life that is blocking him from controlling me. Let me ask you another question. You're here this morning and you say, look, I understand I'm supposed to be filled with the Spirit of God, but I really don't understand what it means, but I want it. I want it. If the Lord will show me, I'm I'm going to do whatever He tells me to do. I'm going to let Him have His way in my life. I'm going to yield myself to Him today. I'm telling you, if you truly yield yourself and say, Lord, you can have your way in my life, He will take you up on it." And he will begin to do a work in your life. And he, you will sense his presence from the word go. But you're saying, I want him to have control, not me. I want this thing. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Would you lift your hand? Amen. Amen. One last question this morning. You're here this morning and you would say, Pastor, would you pray for me? Because I don't understand what it is to be born again. And I'm really not sure that I am. Would you just pray for me? I want to get that straightened out. And listen, we'll have somebody after the service take you and show you from the Bible how you could be sure you're born again. Because that's the most important thing in this world. There's nothing more important than that. Heaven and hell, heaven or hell depend upon whether you're born again or not. Jesus said, except a man be born again, he shall not see the kingdom of God. But you're here this morning and you don't understand this, but you want to understand. You'd like someone to show you. Would you lift your hand so I can pray for you? Anybody at all this morning, God is dealing with you about this issue of being born again. Father in heaven, we do thank you, Lord, for your working hearts and lives. And Lord, I pray you'd continue it. Now, Lord, as we look to the idea of being filled with the Spirit, Lord, our hearts yearn for it. Uh, As your people, Lord, I believe it connects with every last one of us. Blessed Spirit of the living God, Lord, would you do a work in hearts and lives this morning that would manifest your presence and your reality in your power? Lord, for those people that have raised a hand, Lord, for those people that have recognized something that's blocking, Lord, may it be dealt with, may it be moved out of the way, and may your hand and your power rest upon them. Lord, for those who, uh, Lord, want it, maybe they stand afar off, maybe they've known what it is, but, Lord, they want the power of your Spirit, they want you to be filling them. Oh, blessed Spirit, would you come near them? And lord we don't trust in the flesh cuz the flesh is not able or we trust in you lord would you bless would you bless your people in a mighty way and lord would you let us know what it is to be filled with your spirit in jesus name amen